Hi everyone, it's Sanjana and welcome to episode 2 of HB Speaks. So today I'm joined by a very special guest, Tarani Mishra, and she is an old girl at HBS. And yeah, so Tarani, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, cool. Hi, I'm Tarani, pronounced she, her. Um, I am currently a second year studying medicine at Oxford. Yeah. So I did BCM French at A-level. I went to HBS for the whole seven years and yeah. Cool. (laughs) So could you briefly describe kind of what sort of things that you were sort of highly involved in at HBS, like stuff outside of academics, that kind of thing? (laughs) Debating club. Um, Debating club. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, basically, if you were ever heckled in the corridors, by someone saying come to debating club that was me um yeah that was like the big thing me and my friend my best friend Anna we founded it in year 10 because there wasn't a debating club at school and then from there it was just kind of okay let's talk about fun things and it started out it just turned into kind of a cult and it was lovely and we have airs and now there's like some year 11s running it and it's so nice to see um but yeah mostly mostly debating club obviously medic sixth form standard biochem sock um and then i did music gcse so little bits of music here and there bunny hoo hoo and um i was embraced when i was in year 13 so yeah i'd say debating a tiny little bit of music but not really and yeah whatever bcm nonsense yeah cool i mean the debating like the funny posters for all the debating stuff is still a thing like they still make really <laughs> funny posters like meme I posters know, about the debating things they send them to us they literally because we have a google drive that goes back to like 2016 what? and like we have we now have like a group chat on whatsapp with the current founders you must be in bora if you're there <laughs> yeah Bobby and bora have been so like they're so good and like we sat in on one of their sessions earlier like in september it was so insanely good and their posters are so funny um i don't know they're just like really doing us proud it's, it's just wonderful and they still do like points of information and proposition and opposition the little fact sheets sometimes they just copy and paste like the stuff that we would print out it's just really nice it's yeah it's, really no, it's nice. def- definitely become like a cult thing but everyone loves it for sure <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so like why did you why did you feel the need to like of course like debating is awesome but like was there something personal that you wanted to start it or was it just because it wasn't there at school before I think when I was in year 10 I was a particularly argumentative person and um me and Anna just always like I don't know we're still like this um but just had a tendency to get into discussions and at the time politics was interesting and wild and um that really wasn't like there was current affairs society but that was I don't know a little more like there was someone would have a slideshow and present it to you which is cool and everything but we wanted to argue and then we had like a we had those events with QE boys where they would be debating with us and it would be a little embarrassing. It would be like, <laughs> I don't know how to speak English. Why are they like trained for this? Um, and so we were like, we should we should try and do debating club. And then we were we were only year 10, so we were like, it's for year seven to nine. We're not gonna, we're not gonna extend beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. and then like each time that we got like a year older, we were like, okay, we'll allow like year elevens now or whatever. Um but that was yeah that was it was basically just like arguing and stuff and then the posters was just again like me and Anna being 
me and Anna and we had a certain sense of humor and we shared it with the world and sometimes it was funny sometimes it didn't work sometimes people didn't understand because we'd literally just spend like an hour at lunchtime in normally main IT sometimes big with IT just like just just saying things just getting up to goofy stuff and nonsense and sometimes it would just be so incoherent um people wouldn't understand it was yeah there was just a lot of layers to some of those posters I don't know if people remember like sometimes Miss Leek would be like, oh, that was a really funny poster. And sometimes Miss Rodwell would be like, I didn't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, it kind of came out of nowhere and it kind of blossomed into this thing from like all the cool people that would come along and I don't know, make it, make it exciting and fun and engage so beautifully. And then I don't know, once you have like people who are really excited about talking and arguing, you get these really interesting discussions and then once they become friends they become sillier and funnier and we had these end of time things like pirates versus ninjas and i don't know vampires versus ghosts i don't know we had a bunch of ideas basically yeah the funny emotions <laughs> are the funniest to hear <laughs> i don't know they're just they're brilliant okay and um, again Fasavi and bora are still doing this shout out to those guys because they're awesome um because <laughs> yeah basically it was just a thing of like a forum for kids to talk about stuff and then it became like a bonding thing and like making a community feel and forming relationships with younger years and stuff which was honestly just one of the nicest things about the whole thing yeah it's it's iconic <laughs> <laughs> so have you continued like debating at Oxford and like is it <laughs> no. have no. you not no okay <laughs> not really, no I guess because at Oxford it's very much I mean for one thing like as I say I was very argumentative in year 10 and that really faded um now I'm I wouldn't call myself very confrontational sometimes it comes out like out of habit or just default or whatever but I don't like it every time I get into an argument even if it is just like a political thing or a discussion thing sometimes I feel a little icky inside um so I don't really don't really do debating obviously there's the Oxford Union as well which has its own like history and stuff so it's it's really really not it um I it's never not really it I mean it's just it's very political and it's oh, fine honestly super weird and it has all this weird history and just so much Tory nonsense I, oh yeah, fine <laughs> and also like membership is 200 200 pounds or something like what it's, it's, yeah, yeah yeah and it's because you're the Oxford Student Union which is like the HBS Student Union where you're a student so you're a part of the student union and yeah. there's the union which is where they have the talks and stuff and I just never got a membership I was like I'm not paying money especially because at the start of first term like you get a bunch of free talks and also if you have a friend in the union you just would pay 10 pounds to get in like with them so it just it's not that deep and I just never really got into it um so yeah no I wouldn't say I do a whole lot of debating at uni um I I guess the biggest thing I've done at university has been being racial and ethics ethnic minorities representative for my college which is um Magdalen Magdalen spelled with a g pretentious but not as bad as the Oxford Union um, <laughs> so what is that basically I mean it's a little bit of like arguing with people um but it's more like for an express reason and again there's like the sense of building community and getting to know younger years and yeah gathering I guess is nice um so basically it wasn't it wasn't so much of a thing the racial and ethnic minorities position mm -hmm. RAME we abbreviate it to RAME I don't know why they couldn't stick with BME for some reason <laughs> um but yeah RAME reps weren't such a huge deal and then like June 2020 it got really intense and it sort of became a bigger role and then 
me and my friend T took it over in around September, October 2020. Yeah, October. We started mm-hmm. that term. Yeah. And that was that was awesome. That was, yeah. We basically started with a bunch of, I don't know, Netflix party movie nights because of COVID. And mm-hmm. um we we got Parlay G and we like put it in everyone's pigeonholes. <laughs> we literally went around the room. We went around the pigeonhole room and we like looked for all the ethnic names. Um, that's we, really funny. A tally of them. There's this ridiculous picture of like me with a pack of Palaji and then like Palaji in all of the pigeonholes. Um, but yeah, basically, it's it's been this really nice thing. And then we came up. Well, not we didn't. Someone suggested the Rain Parents idea to us, which is basically like a buddy system but mm-hmm. for like ethnic minority students for incoming freshers. And that's been so nice. Like there's two parents for each kid because we've got so many parents signing up. Um, and it means that like we now have a mailing list for people. And like, I don't know, there's there's just so many like cool relationships that are forming. And my Rame kid is just the coolest and the best. And yeah, there's just, yeah, we did a Rame potluck actually at the end of um, Michaelmas. So that was last term. And that was just so, so good. So nice. Um, we got like people someone brought jollof rice and someone brought paneer and we just put them together and it tasted so good someone made mango lassi and it was yeah it was very nice basically more community gathering stuff oh that sounds so wholesome it is lovely it's really nice okay going slightly off topic so there's this term that like people use a lot at school called the hbs bubble which like just to define it for people who i don't know maybe haven't heard it is basically when we talk about HBS as a sort of closed environment that we have with its own sort of standards, like unwritten rules and values, how much would you say that Oxford is kind of an extension of that bubble or not? I wouldn't say it's an extension of the bubble, but it is a bubble of its own. I don't know, like in the first few weeks of university, I remember people saying that when they felt like they'd stepped out of the HBS bubble and entered the real world and I was like no I feel like I've left the HBS bubble like I have more perspective on that bubble now mm-hmm. but I'm now in an Oxford bubble um which is okay it's a slightly bigger bubble but it's got its own weird quirks and things that you take for granted um and some of them are like markedly less pleasant than the HBS bubble things I don't know like when I think of the HBS bubble um the first thing that comes to mind is like the student stuff which is really nice like the sense of you can say hi to people in the corridor and like you know most people's names and people are approachable and there are certain political things that we take for granted like I don't know for instance there was um just a general sense of like everyone here is pro-choice and that's not a question Mm -hmm. like my autonomy of my body is never in question especially like homophobia um Mm -hmm. you see it sometimes in the younger years actually at least like by the time I was in year 13 there was some amount of homophobia in like year seven and eight but throughout my school experience it just didn't really rear its head um Mm -hmm. at least not among students which is not true in the real world um and I don't know particularly with like transphobia and just in general like whatever the JK Rowling breed of gender criticism or whatever Uh. it exists it exists in this way that I'd never ever encountered until I left HBS and it was um kind of unpleasant like I think these are these were all really nice things obviously fine like maybe it's it's you know an echo chamber of sorts where you never get your views challenged but at the same time some of these things really should be taken for granted right like it's it's really nice to be in a space where your rights are not in question and you don't feel 
again, you don't feel like a minority, especially if you're a brown girl, you're not a minority, you're, you're the majority. <laughs> and you assert that power and privilege. Point is, okay, it's it's just weird. It's it's very, very unique. And I didn't have an appreciation for that until I left. But the other thing, like the sort of downside of the HBS bubble, I think comes from higher up. It's the, it's a sense of pressure. We do it to each other as well, but it's it's very much, I don't know, it's an, it's an older thing in the school, you know, mm-hmm. the sense yeah. that you have to achieve. And the way I used to always describe HBS was it's all the pressure of a private school without the resources. And <laughs> that, I think, that I think is the bit that kind of sucks because there is this standard expectation of like, okay, you're going to apply for medicine or you're going to apply to Oxbridge or both. Hey, why don't you do both? Um, <laughs> and it's, it's um, toxic, I think is the word, um, particularly because people don't realize how smart and cool they are. Um, one of the big things in HVS bubble terms, the like six form bubble where everyone gets in for UCL medicine and it's like, is it easy to get into UCL medicine? No. Why do you, why do we treat it like it is? Like, these and I don't know BCM is something that's taken for granted as well like no that's insane that's a that's a hard set of A-levels that people do of their own accord and like go on to pursue and then they have all these insane extracurriculars like I think that's that's the major thing that comes from the HPS level people don't realize how exceptional they are whether that's like politically socially in terms of their levels of kindness and compassion but also academically you just forget that you're smart and capable um and I think that's honestly a massive tragedy um it, it just makes me sad every time because I've been speaking to like current six formers who are doing medicine stuff and it's like you're so insanely capable I don't want anything like you don't have to apply anywhere you don't want to apply but don't let the fear stop you um and it's weird I think it's reinforced on so many levels and oh it's it just just sucks a bit a little bit that HBS bubble thing um whereas the Oxford bubble I think there is a similar sense of like everyone is clever and so you don't always feel clever but it also becomes less important somehow I don't know maybe it's just the growing up piece rather than like a culture that's actually cultivated but um I don't feel a need to prove myself quite so much um yeah I don't know and also there's less of a sense of comparison or whatever um uh, I don't know it's also the tutorial system means that like the resources are there and you do actually feel supported. So if you want to do something or if you want to get better at something, you can do that. And like there's all of these things at your fingertips um, that just makes it easier for you to do the stuff that you want to do or find out what you want to do. Right. That was really deep in like a really good way. So from what I'm getting is that the sort of social aspect of HBS, the tolerance and the community feel of it is something that was sort of like a safe bubble in a way, which you make it sound, which it is. And I completely agree with that. And feels like a lot of people who go beyond that don't see that as often because not everyone is as tolerant as every, like socially and politically, et cetera. And yeah, rights aren't challenged, but like maybe you, people don't need to play devil's advocate for like these kind of rights. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It seems like academically, imposter syndrome wise and sort of pressure wise, it seems to be, from what I'm hearing, like from what you've implied, is it better at Oxford then? Or is it (laughs) because of the institution or is it because of like you growing up and like having better perspectives on stuff and sort of just being more mature? 
I think it's probably just the growing up piece because I don't know, there's so much institutionally. Um, but I also wonder whether because Oxford is a university and it's bigger and you've mm -hmm. got all of these like people coming from, you know, a wider range of places, um, there is more of a sense of like, okay, let's work on this. We recognize this is a problem and we're working on it. And mm -hmm. again, because you have like individual relationships with tutors rather than like one person who's running the school and also dealing with your UCAS application, mm -hmm. um, you do feel like more of an individual than like a piece in a machine. Because mm -hmm. I don't know, like, what does Oxford want you to do? Nothing in particular that I can think of, like succeed, sure. Um, but it's not, like HBS wanted you to go to Oxford, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> HBS wanted you to do the things and get you to a certain place and tick you off as a box. Or at least that's what it felt like by the end of year 13. It was like, I'm a set of grades on someone's mm -hmm. spreadsheet. Um, but I don't know, um, I guess, I guess because it's bigger, and yet there's this like sense of personal relationships with someone who's teaching you, but also like who you're directly asking questions to. Um, it certainly feels a bit more like I'm a, I'm a person. Um, it mm -hmm. feels like I'm a little more known. And I guess because of that, I exist beyond my academic achievement. Um, yeah, and also maybe it's medicine as well, because with medicine, the general consensus is you just have to get through med school, right? Getting into medical school is hard. Getting mm -hmm. through is also hard. We're not going to put extra pressure on you in the meantime, unless it's HBS, in which case you might do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Oxford Medicine has never applied more pressure, I think, than HBS ever did to get into medicine. Mm. So when looking at... Sorry, what you... <laughs> it's just that's kind of whack, come to think of it. It's, um, it's whack. It's not, yeah it is cool. it is whack <laughs> not very cash money not cash money not gucci at all no so when looking at your friends maybe at other unis would you say that they are sort of going into their own bubble as well or would you say that some you find that some institutions create a bubble around their students and some are much closer to the real world like, and have you noticed that the ones close to the real world have the people who've gone there sort of abandoned their sort of stereotypically HBS characteristics, that kind of thing? Basically just comparing where your friends have gone and how that affected anything. That's a very interesting question. Um, I don't know, I guess I don't, I don't have like a real impression. It's just from people from what people at other universities have told me. But yeah, um, so for instance, my friend Gayatri at Nottingham, she, um, she, she basically said it feels like the real world. Um, and that was when she was in first year and in like uni comms. Then second year, she moves out to a flat, you know, mm -hmm. which is like, whoa, we don't do that. We don't do that. I'm still in, I'm still in like college walls. You know, I still have someone coming in to clean my room once a week. <laughs> um, it's like really not, it's very much not the real world. Um, and also it doesn't look like the real world, right? You've got all these like ancient buildings and stuff. It, like even when I leave Oxford for the holidays, it feels like I've stepped out of something. Um, whereas, yeah, I guess, I don't know about stereotypically HBS characteristics. I'm trying to think like, I, okay, of all of my friends, I think there's no one who's like, oh, geez, I really miss school. It was perfect. <laughs> I think everyone kind of left and was like, hey, that was insane. That was wild. We had a wild seven years there, huh? Because, um, yeah, like sometimes, like with Anna, with dietary, with, with anybody, sometimes they'll just be like, hey, remember that time xyz like it struck me a little while ago um 
<laughs> after GCSEs, like after GCSE results in year 12, someone found out that Miss Nanan had like a marks breakdown. Oh, and damn. every break and lunchtime, people would be queuing up outside Miss Nanan's office to try and get those grades and like results. Right. Like, one of them, I stood there and I got them and it was like, oh, geez, I only scraped the nine in XYZ and oh, crap. I really did very well in French. Like, oh my God, why would I do that to myself? You know, I don't know. That's that's another thing. Um, at, at least at Oxford, I've never, like with essays and like stuff I have to do for tutorials, stuff that doesn't count, I get marks. Um, but there's, again, this this sort of respect for like, no one else needs to know what you got. Um, yeah. And I don't know, you get told the average, like you do in say math lessons, um for stuff like formative exams multiple choice mm -hmm. stuff um but for the end of year thing like the, the actual thing that counts for your degree they just tell you pass or fail basically or merit if you did particularly well um but yeah like when I passed I was like okay and I remember my mum being like yeah what did you get and I was like I'm not going to ask I'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> and back in like year seven or eight that would have been a thing for my parents where it would have been like, wait, you don't care about your marks, you don't care about what you've got, we're lazy. And now it's now it's me being like, no, I am no longer at HBS and I'm no longer like, I don't know. I think, I think it also happens to a lot of HBS kids that by the time they get to about year 11, their parents realize that they put so much pressure on themselves. They probably did it before they got to HBS, but HBS didn't help. Um, and so the parents tend to take a, a little step back, at least a little. So when I say now, no, I'm not going to be looking at my marks now because I don't want to. She's like, yeah, okay. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so yeah, I think in terms of characteristics, I think probably the grades obsession has faded a little, a little. Um, mm -hmm. The tendency to stress yourself out exists, but I think people are more conscious of it. Um, mm -hmm. people are more aware that like oh Christ I'm being an HBS girl right now um, but yeah I don't know and then the other thing that comes up a lot is oh geez like there's this wide political spectrum that exists that I know a tiny section of and it's not that I don't know how to deal with a Tory it's that I am not used to it and it really really boils my blood in a way that I didn't expect that it would yeah yeah that's, that's the universal yeah, people say like, because everyone at HBS has, I mean, mostly everyone has very, very similar views politically. And like everyone comes from like majority come from quite similar sort of socioeconomic sort of backgrounds. Mm. So when you went into Oxford, did you feel like you could really feel sort of a disparity in terms of like socioeconomic like background of people? And like, was that something that was weird in a sense? Sometimes, sometimes, honestly, yeah. Like there, it's it's rarer now because as I say, with like bigger institutions that have, you know, a wider range of people, but also like bigger notoriety, they have more of a responsibility to kind of correct that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, my college has worked pretty hard, I think, on improving diversity. It's part of the reason why it's been really nice to be RAIM rep is that they are interested in it. So if we put something forward, they're like, yeah, okay, we can make that happen. Um, and they're very willing to like spend money and stuff in a way that like the HBS just doesn't have the funds for. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like in terms of diversity, it's it was better than I expected because I expected it to be on the floor. 
Um, <laughs> with that said, there are enough slightly weird boarding school white boys that <laughs> will spook you a little. Like there was a kid that I met at interviews um, who I was then living with in first year. Um, and it was just, it was like, he's perfectly nice. He is perfectly nice. Um, but it was the way that he spoke and the like his references and the, like all of this stuff where it was like, oh, okay, you went to boarding school. I, I understand, but that's that's the extent of your, like that's a hell of a bubble to live in, you know? Yeah. You're never even going home somewhere. Um, like I could appreciate that from a distance, but again, sometimes I would have the political conversations and sometimes it was like, no, I um I don't have the energy for this right now. And I would, I remember saying it, I'd be like, no, actually, sir, I will not be discussing this with you because um, it's not your job, um, which is an easy thing to forget. Um, yeah, I think it felt weird with a certain small bunch of people. It was part of the reason why I didn't get involved with the Oxford Union because I was like, okay, debating means something else here. It's a little closer maybe to the Kiwi boys definition of debating, but it's nowhere near pirates versus ninjas. Um, and that's fine. Um, but yeah. I don't, I don't have to form a cult. I don't need, I don't need a cult. The cult exists. I can go back to it anytime. You know? <laughs> yeah, cult is um, safe here. <laughs> cult is safe. It's safe in the hands of two really dope year 11s. Um, yeah, so um, I guess, I guess it felt weird sometimes in those contexts, but tutors never felt like that. Um, and I don't know, they're, they're kind as well and tolerant of the way that I spoke, not so much in terms of like, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I think I have a relatively okay neutral accent, but I think I can, um, without bits of like things I take for granted, um, like talking with a certain level of vulnerability, talking about mental health or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, these are habits that I won't shake probably and also ADHD doesn't help loads, um, but people were more okay with it than I expected. I was like, I'm not gonna fit in because I can't shut up. But it was like, no, they don't need you to shut up. It's okay. It's fine. Do you feel like the mental health support at uni is like a step up? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but it's still not. Um, the thing that I keep saying to like freshers is, the Oxford University Counseling Service really is well-funded and they are sharp and like you will get an appointment and stuff. And you know, they, they give you all the questionnaires, they're very systematic, but it's not made for somebody with pre-existing mental health conditions. Like they've really built it up to the point where it can, I think, deal with the sort of chronic stress that being an Oxford student entails. But mm -hmm. if you've come into Oxford with issues, you need to like, you need to, you need to get something else, something more substantial because they can't do regular therapy. That's not part of the university counseling services job. They like psychiatry referrals will still be through the NHS. The DAS is pretty good. The disability advisory service. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I don't know, they do assessments and stuff, but also they, they know the system in terms of like the wider, like disabled students allowance um, from the student loans company and stuff. Um, basically it, it exists to help you. It's just even that, like if you need if you need care if you need help help it needs to be sought outside of university and that's the thing I keep saying where it's like I don't think the university necessarily needs to be doing more it's just a matter of like 
again, basic health inequalities and issues that face everybody of we can't always get the stuff that we need and it's still important to seek it out. Oh, well, that was, the other thing though is that um, disparities between colleges can make a difference. So Maudlin has a bunch of money. And so I have friends who like for whom college has paid for their therapy or paid for their psychiatric appointments and stuff. And so oh, it makes it easier to like get diagnosed. So mm -hmm. even outside of the counseling service, there are resources, but that really depends. So I have some friends at university college who don't have that amount of support. And it's sometimes it's to do with like the amount of money that the college is getting from like alumni mm -hmm. or whatever, but also um, it's to do with the individuals that are in positions of leadership and whether they're approachable and whether they care about specific things, how long they've been in like power or whatever. Um, right. I would say it's slightly less like fragmented than it was at HPS, even though it is pretty fragmented, mm -hmm. but also there's, there's, it's meaningful help, I think, um, in a way that it, you know, like I, I'd say the Oxford University Counseling Service is made for Oxford students, maybe not mentally ill Oxford students, but Oxford students in positions of stress and positions of like misery sometimes mm -hmm. in terms. I wonder whether the teachers are in their own sort of bubble where they see these like extremely capable kids and they just think they got to be doing okay. Or like you guys are just sad in the way that like teenage girls are sad whatever and it's like no 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 there are other issues here there's like a an issue of like stress and an issue of like resources and I don't know even friendship stuff like that just feels like it wasn't provided for whereas yeah that uni it feels like they they know they know what it's like at least yeah yeah no for sure I think at school as well what happens is often if someone's doing well like they've got like on paper they seem to be doing well which is basically just academically they're doing well it's assumed that like okay everything else must be sort of holding up really well for them to be able to do well but I guess I know a lot of people as well that when they are in a bad place they do just focus a lot on school and that's all sort, of, sort of like coping in a way and then on paper it seems like everything's cool but it's at the expense of other stuff you know yeah and the other thing is that like I don't know there are some people that focus more but even the people that focus less when they're doing badly they're yeah. still going to perform because they're still immensely capable and they're still attending lessons right yeah because don't skip lessons at our school um and honestly the, the bulk of GCSEs and A-levels is just going to class like I don't know mm -hmm. it's just there's just a lot of um there's a lot of stuff there where it's very easy for someone to turn a blind eye and sometimes it feels like it's done consciously where it's like, mm -hmm. no, I need this person to get the grade. I need this person to perform here. And so mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay attention to how they may be struggling. Yeah. I think people mm -hmm. are also pretty worried about sort of how staff view them, especially recently with like tags and stuff. I think that people are like, oh, my teacher needs to know that I'm capable because essentially they were the one deciding grades and it wasn't just oh, about the course. test. Oh, Teacher, oh, geez, yeah. I hadn't thought of that yeah I mean and everyone knows favoritism is an issue um mm. and I don't know like I can't like I can't even imagine but like new girls it's just so because so much of this stuff is like based on having a personal relationship but COVID and so yeah. many other factors that would impact that ability I just I don't know it's I'm, I, it's ugh, it's nice that we have personal relationships with some teachers like there are, I don't know I don't know if you guys remember Miss Coleman 
she left just last year i think i know i know i dm'd her on facebook she was so lovely she was so lovely and just such a good biology teacher and i'm really glad that i had like a relationship with her for like you know the seven years of school um but at the same time i don't you know like that i feel like that's independent like a mentorship relationship shouldn't color my grades for instance was there anything at HBS that like you considered that everyone pretty much like considered normal that when you went out you were like oh damn this is not a universal thing mental illness (laughs) mental (laughs) illness mental illness and laughing at mental illness um and it's not just that it's not normal it's that it struck me that it was unhealthy and Mm. only made things worse for me and for everybody like I don't know for one thing I don't know like taking it so incredibly lightly like there's there's one thing to laugh about struggles and stuff and it's another thing to maybe it's inadvertent to like romanticize kind of where people I don't know just don't aren't interested in their own healing or there's some sort of value somehow in suffering and I think this is this is something I've spoken about with some people where there was a, a lot of people left HBS thinking with this weird thinking pattern of like, okay, if I'm suffering, I must be doing something right. This like Catholic mindset of <laughs> I pursue the path of like most pain, that's probably the right path. Mm. It's like, no, that's not a good guiding principle. Um, but also like, it's literally directly counteractive to your success because it can't last. Self-flagellation gets you into such a pit after a while, you know? And it's not pushing you forward. If you're succeeding with self-flagellation, you're succeeding in spite of it. Um, And I don't know, I just think the ideas of like self-care and self-compassion were thrown around a little, um, but never really taken seriously. Um, And it just, there wasn't generally an attitude of wanting to get better, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, which I didn't, like, I don't know, I think, I think I now want to get better, and I think I'm, I'm on the path to getting better, um, but it's, it's a, it takes a little while, particularly if you have to undo years and years of thinking that that's wrong, and that if you're getting better, then you're wasting time. Thank you. Time, and I really am. Yeah, angry. yeah. So no, much. no, everything you said was so, so, so interesting, so insightful, like. Thank you, but thank you so much for your time today and for like answering all these questions and speaking so honestly and I really really appreciate it but yeah thank you not at all sorry not at all thank you it was really nice actually